0: has to get rid of the bad taste of wanting to be in agreement with many. Good is no longer good when your neighbor takes it into his mouth. And how could there exist a common good? The expression is a self contradiction. What can be common has ever but little value. In the end, it must be as it is and has always been. Great things are for the great, abysses for the profound, shutters and delicacies for the refined, and in sum, all rare things for the rare. thanks a lot for joining me for this episode today. What you heard at the beginning there with the intro was an excerpt from Friedrich Nietzsche's Beyond Good and Evil from the chapter called The Free Spirit. And this was the 43rd stanza, part of the 43rd stanza from that book. And so what I want to do with this podcast is talk about what he was getting at with that stanza, but more importantly, talk about who Nietzsche really was because I have mentioned him. I've brought up his name quite a few times in different podcasts, as well as some articles that I've written. And I thought it would be, it would be important to tell you guys who Nietzsche even Is. And so I put a lot of research into this to try to give you a good understanding of that. And what I'm finding is that it's a rabbit hole. Like there's so much out there about this guy that we could talk about. So I'm going to try to give you a brief overview about who this guy is. But before I do that, I just want to set the stage with something that happened a couple weeks ago. So As you know, I've been living on my own now for coming on two months here, and I've really been leaning into this idea of being independent. And so I decided a couple weeks ago that I didn't want to let being alone stop me from doing the things that I wanted to do. So I biked down to Inglewood here in Calgary to explore the different stores and just bring that spirit back of discovery and curiosity within myself. So bike down there and I came across this vintage clothing store and I went into the store and they had all kinds of cool clothing there. That's off the wall stuff you don't typically see. And there was one sweater that I saw, which was a picture that you may have seen before a painting and it's called the wanderer above the sea of fog and it was painted by Caspar David Friedrich back in 1818 and I had always associated this picture with Nietzsche of a man standing at uh, a mountain's peak looking down at the landscape covered in fog and there's just a very something about that picture has always spoken to me, and the idea of the wanderer, especially of just exploring life, having this curiosity um, to see what's out there. But turns out this picture isn't Nietzsche because it was made back in 1818 and Nietzsche was born in 1844. And Nietzsche, Frederick Nietzsche, um, he was born in 18, in 1844 in Eastern Germany and his father was a priest and Nietzsche always excelled in school growing up and eventually he got a job as a philologist in the um, in university. He was a professor and philology, not philosophy, philology is the study of language in oral and written historical sources. and. His main focus was the Greeks because he thought that the Greeks were their ancient texts and plays were highly practical to life. And he found that academia at the time was very contrary to that. It was very dry, boring, and just, it was just an academic exercise with no real value to life. And so eventually he got to the point where he was, he was fed up with it and He wrote his first magnum opus in 1878 called Human, All Too Human, and then he left his teaching job in 1879. And from this point, he decided to travel throughout Europe. Um, He traveled to Austria, Italy, Switzerland, France. And the thing with Nietzsche is that throughout his entire life, he suffered with Migraine headaches. From the age of nine, he had these horrible migraine headaches that would cause him to vomit um, every so often if he didn't, if he wasn't in the right environment. And most people aren't totally sure what caused it. A lot of speculation is that it might have been a brain tumor that caused it, um, another congenital type of condition. And so, I'll right off the bat say he didn't have a very good life. Like he had a lot of health issues all throughout. And so when he was looking for a place to settle down after he finished teaching, he settled on this place called Silsmaria in Switzerland, which was right close to the Swiss Alps. And he found that this environment was best suited for him and it didn't flare up his continual migraines as much and stuff like that. And so he settled here in, let's see, I think it was 1883. And this was basically where between the years of 1883 to 1888 were the years that his writing took off. He would wake up in the early morning and and write. And then at 11am, he would get up and walk through the Swiss Alps exploring and writing and jotting his, his thoughts down during that time until four or five in the evening. And then he would come back home and read or write some more. And this continued year after year for about five years. And eventually his doctor actually told him that he would, he had to calm down a little bit with this because it was really hard in his eyesight. And eventually Nietzsche did go functionally blind later in life. So that's a broad overview of what, who he was. Um, but now I want to dive a little bit into what he did and some of his writing. Um, because I I just find it, uh, we'll, we'll get, okay, we'll get to this part, but I want to return to this idea of, of the wanderer because Nietzsche, I think, very much did see himself in this way as as a wanderer. He, he called himself a philosopher, but he didn't see philosophy the same way as a lot of other philosophers do. So um, it, he didn't see philosophy as something about striving to know the truth, to find goodness in things, which Plato and some of the Greeks did. He didn't see it as a way of building some kind of system to follow, which Immanuel Kant was a big proponent of, and he didn't see it either as a way to banish doubts and find certainty, like like Descartes. Descartes, if you remember, is the guy with the quote that is, I think, therefore I am. And so here's a quote actually from Nietzsche on what philosophy is to him. He says here, Philosophy is a voluntary retirement into ice and mountain peaks, seeking out of everything strange and questionable in existence, everything upon which morality has set its bands. And so he has another famous quote in one of his books where he says that if someone claims to seek the truth only to do the good, I'll bet he finds nothing. (laughs) And so philosophy to him was more of an attitude of exploration, not really a search to find some kind of ironclad proof of something. And he actually saw having any convictions whatsoever as a more dangerous enemy to truth than, than a lie is. But he also admits that you can't really function in life without conviction. So it's a continual seesaw between, between these two things he he did believe that the real truth was was very difficult to swallow and uh he made a common habit out of just questioning everything and that's that's where nietzsche can get a little bit deep and um carried away i guess because in his book beyond good and evil he he goes and attacks the idea of good and evil as things that don't actually hold any real truth in the grand scheme of things. If you look at them closely, he does the same thing with love and he does the same thing with even truth. And so when I look at someone like Nietzsche, it just, (laughs) he's such a fascinating character. like here's a guy who would literally just wake up in the morning and write and he would go and explore in the mountains and write some more about his thoughts and he this was back in 1888 was his last year and he actually ended up having a mental breakdown um, right after that which is what stopped him from writing and so it's just The guy was strange, man. He was so weird, but he was also so smart and he had so many interesting things to say that are relevant now. And so he's just a captivating character that I find interesting to talk about. And so there's so many different things that we could say and we could dive into with with Nietzsche, with his works. And a lot of his works give away parts of his mental makeup as well but i wanted i want to go more into this this beginning statement that i that i brought up with all rare things for the rare because that quote right there is what what hit me the most and is what i is why i decided to add that in the opening because nietzsche talked about how this idea of the free spirit to him is someone who's freed from any particular dogma about the nature of truth. Um, he talked a lot about the liberation that he felt up in the mountains, being close to nature, being closer to heaven, metaphorically speaking, and then closer to the self. And so you're so far apart from the rest of society that the only thing in that moment that you can really have with any kind of certainty is yourself in that moment, which he also said is a, a dangerous thing because the depths of self-knowledge can reveal some, some, uh, how should I say, very real truths that we might not want to experience. But I think I think what we can all agree on, regardless of whether Nietzsche his life was one that we would want to follow in the footsteps of or not. He was rare, right? He was one of the most rare people that you could imagine just the life that he lived. And he just went ham on writing and writing and writing and thinking for five years straight. And I think that's what made him go nuts because he literally he made him have the mental breakdown because he questioned everything. He put in so much work to question every aspect of society and existence and what it means to be a human being, not holding fast to any particular conviction or dogma. And he, he lived a very lonely life, right? He, he didn't really have many friends. There was a lot of indications in his his writing that he made up imaginary friends and then they had conversations with each other in his writing. So he was a very different breed of human. But as a result of that, look at what he did, right? He's written these works that stand the test of time and continue to make people like stand back in awe of it. And his philosophy was really the grounds for existentialism, which is basically the philosophy that was put into motion by Jean-Paul Sartre about how we develop our own values, because there is no ironclad truth to things. And Nietzsche was, was really the first one to have enough courage, I guess, to make these assertions that there is no ironclad truth. And I mean, obviously we can go deeper and deeper and deeper with this, where to hold to the dogma that there's no ironclad truth is another conviction, which can hold you back. So anyway, I guess what I'm trying to get at with this whole thing is that Nietzsche in the Beginning where he says, All rare things for the rare, is that we shouldn't be afraid to be different in our lives. Because being different is what can create greatness. And even though that difference can lead to some dark places, the darkness is in many cases where the most light also is. He was a huge fan of this Greek. Um, thinker named Heraclitus, who had this idea of that there's always two sides of a coin, right? Whatever you look at, there's inherently another thing built into it. So for an easy example is think about your biggest strength, right? So I'll give you for me personally, I think one of my biggest strengths is my ability to investigate things and think deeply about things. But I think also my biggest weakness is that I think too much about things. And so you can't have one thing without the other. All our greatest strength is also our greatest weakness, right? And so that that goes back to wherever the the biggest light is is also where the the biggest darkness lies as well. And, uh, where the biggest reward is, is also where the biggest risk is type of thing. So it, it is empowering to, to read Nietzsche and see what he went through. Um, and it's just such a huge topic. I, in researching for this episode, I listened to a podcast literally called the Nietzsche podcast where he breaks down, um, Different works and writings that he did and talks about him and he has like close to 100 episodes so we're not going to get to the bottom of the, who this guy was in this episode but I wanted to just do a brief overview on him and encourage you guys listening to take a stand towards something that you care about and to not be afraid to be different because I think we can get, we can get caught up in fear of not wanting to do something that nobody else has ever done. But he talked about in the beginning there, how, how can there exist a common good and the, the expressions of self contradiction, because anything that's common if you think about it, doesn't have as much value. Whereas something that's rare has the most value, right? I'm not going to sit here and try to say that some people have more value than other people do. That's not what I'm saying. But I think the spirit of it is that if you're willing to go to these areas that have been unexplored, then there is... Therein lies potential for the biggest reward. So very philosophical chat here. Um, hopefully there was some practical things that you can take from it. And hopefully I spurred your curiosity about who Nietzsche, who Nietzsche was. Um, I'm sure that, that I'll return to some of his works as we move along here. Um, but I hope you enjoyed this episode, everyone, and we'll catch all of you for the next episode of this series. Thanks, guys. This for the grown and the sexy. Go ahead and text. Me. I know the Lord real, and it shows that He blessed me. This for the grown and the sexy. Go ahead and text. Me. I know the Lord real, and it shows that He blessed me. Look, incense turn to ash, they turn into night Hate it when the unsaid turn into fights Gotta keep it clear, I'ma speak on the reals